on today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had the absolute pleasure of talking with Erica Foyt. I know I say that a lot, and I really, truly mean it every single time. Erica Foyt is uh, the co-founder of Pit Liquor, an incredible uh, CPT brand um, in the deodorant space. Um, they actually use whiskey as one of their ingredients. Whiskey, and she says in, in part of it, yes, it does smell like whiskey, uh, which is awesome. So uh, we actually talked about something we've never talked about before on the podcast, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to listen to this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by Mindful Marketing. At Mindful Marketing, they use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Twitter, and all the other paid platforms for the majority of their revenue. At Mindful Marketing, they use paid ads to help you build a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google do. In fact, Mindful Marketing wants to offer you a free e-commerce growth plan that they normally charge $500 for. A recent growth plan customer said, our ROAS tripled overnight after implementing their tactics. These guys are no joke at Mindful Marketing Co. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash grow to claim your free e-commerce growth plan today. Now on to today's episode. Erica Foyt, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> this is great. So you had your uh, issue with the train before. I now have an issue with hail. So <laughs> I it was like literally beautiful and sunny about five minutes ago. And mm -hmm. uh, I even They heard you were having a podcast. They also heard that I planned to go mountain biking this afternoon. And I guess that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's probably not going to be on here if it keeps hailing. So... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, so Erica, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. So yeah, I'm Erica Foyt and I own a natural deodorant company and we sell direct to consumer online. And the big kicker is that our product is actually made from whiskey and vodka. So people ask, does it smell like whiskey? And the answer is, yeah, because it's made from whiskey, but <laughs> it doesn't like <laughs> you have to actually drink alcohol to smell like you've been drinking. So now you're not going to smell drunk, but it, you're not going to smell like anything. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. When did you guys start? I'd love to hear a little bit about your story. I love when, when I ha have a founder on just hearing a little bit about how that started, because as we all know, starting a company is really difficult. Getting off the ground and not just being a solo founder is really difficult. Can I hear a little bit about, about how this started and where the idea came from? Yeah. So actually people are always like some drunk, crazy night. And I'm like, no, this was actually, I was pregnant um, with my first child and I'd been on like a two year deodorant journey. Like a lot of people who've been trying natural deodorant, they try one yeah. and it doesn't work and they try another and they get a rash and they try another and you know, whatever. And I tried literally everything on the market and I, and it, none of it worked. And I was, I don't know, you're extra irritable when you're pregnant. And so I had like no tolerance for that kind of crap. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up reverting you're not back talking to skin deodorant. You're talking about like mental irritability. No, like <laughs> yeah. yes. and my skin was irritated as well. But then, so I revert back to traditional deodorant and my husband was like crushed. He was like, what about the baby? And I was like, well, I don't know what to do. And so we got into like a little bit of an argument one day 
in our bathroom and there was hand sanitizer within reach. So it was a natural brand. So I reached out, grabbed it and threw it on my armpits. And I was like, maybe this will work. And I left the house and came back and, and I didn't stink. And I was really content with my find. And Jason is a materials engineer. And so his comeback to me was, well, that alcohol is not made from very natural things either. It's probably got a petroleum base. And I was like, all right, dream crusher, like go ahead and <laughs> go ahead and find a better solution. If you're, if you're so like bent on telling me my solutions don't work, find something that fits your bill. And so he started tinkering and he was like, well, if alcohol kills the stench and then it would, what about whiskey? And he actually spent a year buying his three parameters were it has to exist in the human food system and have a long history of use, can't cause rashes and irritability, and it has to actually come from nature. Oh, I guess four. And it has to be proven scientifically to be antimicrobial for an ingredient to be considered in our product. So he started like going through all things that met those four parameters and came up with this product and it worked for me. And then friends and friends found out about it and they wanted some... So we start giving away a lot. And then after after that, we decided that we'd check out the viability of it on people that we don't know. So we started a Facebook group and gave away pit liquor for free to people on Facebook. And then they started actually like coming to our house, some of them, and then knock on our door and ask for it. When are you going to make another batch? And we were like, oh my gosh, I don't know. So um, we launched on Kickstarter because we like, it's a pass fail. Just because the product works yeah. doesn't mean you can sell it. So we have to be able to market it. So we decided to go to, to Kickstarter to see if it would work and it succeeded. And so we started now, a company. We looked at each other and we're like, we own a company now. <laughs> before we go on, you said something before we, we started recording of how you really hated crowdfunding. Is, it, is that correct? <laughs> yeah, I hated like the idea of equity crowd, crowdfunding. I didn't gotcha. just okay. like, Which like we are crowdfunding talk about for a product. After. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thought Kickstarter fine, whatever. It seems like a cool thing, but you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing with the Kickstarter campaign and it did really well. <laughs> so yeah, had a company and then we decided to just start going after it little by little. And then we tripled every single year we've been in business. Let's see, that was 2017. So we've been tripling every year. And um, halfway through that point, my husband lost his job and we were like, let's just, we were so scared. Like, okay, this is it. Like this, is, we're going to check and see if the business can like, actually we can live off of it. And so we, he actually backed the car into a tree that day. He was so like distraught from wow. like the stress of, you know, oh, we're leaping on the business, but we're here. What, like two years later and it's still going and we're still growing really rapidly. So that's kind of our story in a nutshell. How is it as somebody who also works with their spouse. How is that for you guys? And how is that for the company? Well, it's been a growing, a growth curve for sure. There were definitely times where we've had to both stop and look at each other and be like, I can't talk to you like at work the way I talk to you at home. And then we're like, why should I talk to you that way at all? So mm. it's actually been really cool. I, I talked to an advisor about it and his whole point was, you're always going to be husband and wife and you're always going to be business relationship as well, no matter what you're doing. Totally. And so just be all of that all the time instead of trying to compartmentalize. But I'd say it's made our marriage stronger and it's probably made the business stronger too, because we've had to push through a lot more, I guess, to push for excellence in ourselves. Also, we're big believers in, in counseling. And um, I don't know if we've heard the story of the guys that founded Method and they were a couple of guys, best friends, and they founded this company. And then partway through, they were fighting all the time and they actually decided to go to marriage counseling. Really? Not that they're married. Yeah. But yeah, they were like, yeah, yeah. this is like business partnership is like a marriage. Yeah. So they went to counseling and fixed their relationship issues 
and they're still best friends and they feel like their success in business was due to counseling. So I'm a huge fan of counseling and mental health care. So that's a big yeah, part I, of it as well. I'm just going to do another like huge, like thumbs up. I, I don't know even how many years we've been either doing individual counseling or together counseling. It's similar to, to the same idea as having a mentor, having a business coach, right? Having that external person that you like, you just have blinders on yourself, right? You don't realize yeah. the way that you're interacting especially with your spouse. That, that's a huge one. Spouse and business yep. partners. You just don't know until, you know, you sit down with a third party and they're like, Hey, have, have, you, know, have you noticed this? Or like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> You're like, I don't do that. Yeah, oh, I sure totally do. <laughs> I'm going to somebody new who, who likes me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you go over uh, like, Oh, it's me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Actually, you know what? I've got a really quick hack for anyone who wants to be happy. Not in a self-deprecating way, but just think of every problem that happens as your problem. It's no yeah. one else's problem. It's just your problem. And you'll be so much happier with yourself. That's just my, that's my quick, hmm. my quick hack. The coolest um, thing about problems with you is that you're dealing with the person who can fix it. Yes. Like, yes. Right on. So yeah, that's a really cool it's, way to think of life and, and challenging. I'll yes, have to try I, that. I got the, I mean, the, it's not a new idea. The idea is from Donald Miller who regurgitated it from, oh, What's his name? <laughs> really famous. Uh, he was um, in a concentration camp. Uh, Victor Frankl. Um, wow. It's it's a Victor Frankl mm. concept. So uh, really, really good stuff. Anyway, that's, that's quite a place for that concept to come from. Wow, wow. Okay, that's yes. if if he can think that way about those kinds of problems, then I can do that with my life. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Wow. Especially in the in this this year or year and a half or however long it's been, like it's not been easy for all of us, right? Like being, no. you know just being around the same people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, yeah. let's, let's keep going here. I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the ways that you guys are growing. So there's some interesting things that we wanted to talk about on this podcast. Something we've never talked about before. And I'm super interested in is that thing that you hated at first. And yeah. that was equity crowdfunding. Yeah. How does it work? Can, can you explain exactly like what you were giving up and what you're getting? What, what I is think the whole so. value prop? I hope I can explain it. I actually spent like three weeks on the phone with my lawyer trying to understand it. <laughs> he and I both were like, really, really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So basically, I mean, it's a new concept, right? Like it's fairly it is. new. It's fairly new and it's growing pretty rapidly right now. So you go online and you create a profile and you put your stuff out there and you can work with different angel groups that invest through these crowdfunding sites. Like they basically throw you out to their network and that's cool. I would say if you're going to do crowdfunding, go that route if you can, because yeah. it will move things faster for you. But basically it's just the same as selling stuff, like selling part of your company to a VC, except you as the entrepreneur and the founder get to call all the shots. Now crowdfunding isn't really for somebody who's got a business that's like in the idea stage, but if you have tractionable history and you can prove, so you've got like valuation based on revenue and, and things like that. Like that's a good place for crowdfunding. How you do go they do in the... and you're selling a percentage of your company. Sorry. How, how do they do the valuations? I'm going to just ask questions the entire time. Cause I'm super interested. In no, you're works. good. You set it yourself. So, oh, okay. so, so for you set us, it on revenue, um, or... I said, yeah, I looked at it and I was like, we did roughly, we did just under a million dollars last year in revenue. Yeah. So we're in a good spot to say five X in our market is a good valuation. So five millions are valuation. Now on crowdfunding, you usually want to do a discount for anything that's 
like for early bird. So we did an early bird discount. So that's 4.25. And then you offset that on the other side so that you average what your valuation should be. So 5.8 million is our post early bird valuation. But yeah, you like, you set all the terms. So you want to be reasonable and make sure they're good terms. Cause if they're not, nobody's going to come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you have a customer base, crowdfunding is really cool because then you get to leverage your customers and say, like I sell deodorant, right? People don't need 15 bottles of deodorant a year. <laughs> yeah, they, they just don't. And so, you know, they can overstock on, on my product if they really like it. And then some people buy it and give it to their friends. And that's really cool. But instead of overstocking on a product, you can actually put, you know, the, the thresholds are low, $100, $200. That's like entry level for crowdfunding. So you can say, I'm going to throw $200 towards this company. And then that goes in to help us grow which is really cool. And you actually get to grow your money with the companies that you believe in. So is there it's, a it's cer- wild. I love this. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions and Good. whether you have the, the answers for them or not. I just, I'd never really delved into this idea before. Cause I feel like it's, first of all, it's such a good mix between giving up control to, to like a VC firm, right? Like say you're going to sell 20%. You're always going to have to answer to them, right? They're going mm-hmm. to send you emails and be like, Hey, why are revenue numbers not working? Why is your marketing not working? Why is right. this not working? Right. Do you have that same right. issue with the group of investors? So this is something that I get to learn I, as we go along, but my understanding of it is that the investors all join together in an LLC. And then there's a lead investor who speaks for them. So I don't think that I get contacted by all of the investors all the time being like, what's with this? What's with that? But I think I get to figure out a way to update them all. I like to do like video call updates. So that'll be an interesting thing to figure out. What do you use for that? I typically, historically, I've done Google Meet. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, like an actual call. Like like a live call. Oh, cool. But I may end up having to like record something like this and then send it out in an email because I don't know how you could have like 800 people on a call. Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. You could record on here on Loom or something or like, yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I might do that. But basically, like you really interact mostly with your lead investor. And we chose our lead investors, Michelangelo Morin. He's super cool. He founded a company in Indonesia called Gojek and he exited for, he he built this crazy successful company and uh, we're really excited to get to work with him. He's been a lot of fun to get to know, but yeah, he's kind of like the intermediary between us and all of our investors. So when documents need to be signed, he'll negotiate terms with us and then sign for them. So I think it's pretty streamlined because that was my biggest fear. Like, will I have 800 people emailing me every day? Like what's happening to my $200? Yeah. And you're like, it's $200. Please take a deep breath. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And that. Yeah. So, okay. So, and then how did you decide how much of the company to sell? That was based on valuation and how much we need in order to grow. So we said we need 1.25 million valuations, about 5 million. So we're selling like 24% of the company, which is a lot. That's a lot of the company to give up. It's a lot. But that's also what a massive cash infusion into the company. Yeah. Especially at this stage. So to, to put that much cash in and then to mobilize that many people, Because I think if one of our investors came to me and was like, why isn't the needle moving? I'd be like, why don't you go out and promote pit liquor? I'll send you a bunch of free bottles. Go hand it out. Like (laughs) it's like, it's like an ultra highly engaged, all like have skin in the game VIP group. Totally. Yeah. They own, they're like an owner, right? Just like I own Apple. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Or whatever, you know, like, but they actually want to do something for your company. I love this idea. 
Yeah. So it's like this feedback loop that just like spirals upward, 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 and takes you up high. The cool thing going on in that space right now too, is that the SEC, like crowdfunding is moving so quickly that the SEC is just like scrambling to regulate, to keep up with it. So they just, in March, they're releasing new terms that say, instead of the threshold being $1,070,000 that you can raise on equity crowdfunding, it's going to go up to 5 million. And that makes it accessible for like series A. And so, you know, companies are going to start going in there and spending a ton of money on marketing to make this stuff roll. It's, it's kind of a wild west. It's an exciting place. It's super, super exciting. Can you tell us what platform you use for this? Yeah, I'm on WeFunder. And we're actually, WeFunder, today okay. is the day that we're starting a really giant push. So it's kind of funny. You and I, I picked this date way long ago and then ended up, this is the day we decided to do a big push on WeFunder. So we've raised like $70,000 today so far, which is pretty cool. Whoa, that's huge. Yeah, it's wow. really awesome. So today was, the, today was the launch of it. No, we actually launched back in November. And then there's been more peaks and valleys than I could even convey between here and there. And then just like kind of a lull, but an accepted lull where we were like, we're going to lull and then we're going to spike it before we close on March 18th. So this is like the beginning of the final stretch haul. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, yeah. cool. This is amazing. I absolutely love that idea. Let's just have a quick chat around marketing. What's what's working for you guys right now marketing-wise? <laughs> oh, sorry. Marketing's been such a flux lately. So we hired a marketing company a while ago. We worked with them. We hired them like back in August and we yeah. worked with them. And then in January, they came to us and they were like, we're going to quadruple our prices because that's what we need to do in order to be profitable as a company. And yeah. we're not going to quadruple your outputs. And I was like, that doesn't work. And they said, yeah, we don't think you should keep working with us. And I was like, yeah, we agree. So we went through this process to like hand off the marketing and take it over ourselves. We decided to bring it in house, which I'm really excited for. And with the crowd raise, when it's finished, we're going to bring it in house for the intermediary. The guy who was buying on our account with that organization reached out and said, Hey, I'd like to run your account until you hire someone. And he's, um, what do you call it? I can't think of the word now. He works for himself. Like consulting he, or no <sighs> whatever he's he's independently i'm employed. sure everyone's like yelling right now at the podcast like <laughs> yeah oh my gosh it's a it's, he's self-employed he's yeah that term you know you read them in the 1099 he's a freelancer like, yes <laughs> yeah and so he was like i want to work on your project still and keep same number of hours so that's where we're at right now is but we've had a big a big um learning curve, I guess, in terms of learning first our metrics, like what does it take in terms of marketing for us to be profitable? How much like, and that was getting really comfortable with our profit margin and understanding if we spend this percentage of our incoming revenue on marketing, then we can continue to be profitable. So that was a huge learning curve. And then finding someone who could do that effectively and stably was Mm. a really big deal. So find yourself a really quality media buyer and spend good money on them. Like, and I would recommend hiring a person who buys media. Like, so we're on social media and this has been totally game changing because we can say, Hey, increase what we're spending. And it goes really well. And our metrics are suddenly really predictable. We've started seeing a lot of predictability in our business in both in operations and in marketing in the last several months. And that's meant a huge difference. Well, as the owner too, right? Like that, there is a massive difference between just throwing stuff at the wall, not knowing whether it's going to work or not, or having a predictable selling system, right? Once you create those systems, it's like, 
oh my gosh, this is the best business ever. I love yeah. this. It's and like suddenly somebody gave you a steering wheel in your car. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You've been driving it with the pedals all along and like kicking the tires to try to steer. Yes. <laughs> and yes, you're like, totally. here's a steering wheel. And you're like, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and and I am I am totally with you. If you can find somebody in-house or a freelancer um, that you have control control of all the time. That's probably the best case scenario. Um, second best case. And I also, you know, amongst the brands that I own, I also own an agency <laughs> and mm-hmm. love, uh, I think agency would be second, right? Because they have those systems set up. You don't have as much, the problem with an agency is you do not have as much control over, you don't own them, right? They work, no. they work with you, not for you necessarily, no, right? Yeah. Whereas when you have an employee or a freelancer, they work for you and you're able to, to dictate a little bit more with them. That'd be the big difference there. I think there's a little bit more leverage on the agency side because they have the systems and tools around the however many clients they have. But yeah, totally. But you like, need to make sure you fall into the price range that they're happy to work with. Otherwise it's exactly. like what we experience because it won't be a good fit. They can't afford to spend the time on you. I, I would also say like, if you find someone that's good, don't ride their case. Like give them the space to work and do their thing. <laughs> make them happy. <laughs> make I'm that sure person our, enjoy our account their job. managers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if our account managers are listening to this, they're like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's Listen hilarious. Up. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I love that advice. Uh, I got to ask you the question I ask everybody who comes on this podcast. What is your secret to scaling? My secret to scaling, I would say, is a brand centric approach. I think that it's, we've got a few pieces in place here. We've got a brand that's funny and attention grabbing. And so from the very outset, like we decided that, well, we realized, I guess, that people are going to have an emotional response to whatever you put out there. Yeah. Whether it's funny or it's sad or it's, you know, enraging, people will respond emotionally somehow. And we wanted to make people laugh so that if people saw our product, had one interaction and walked away and literally never interact with us again, it's a positive. So we're yeah. adding positive energy into the world because laughter is healthy for people. So we went with pit liquor and then it's also sticky. Like you don't really forget it. So we go that, that route and we grab people's attention from the top of the funnel with it being alcohol, with funny viral marketing and with the product name. And we, so we grab traction there, but then we keep people by a having a really excellent product that's well-researched. And then also like caring. We care really deeply about the planet and about the people involved in our process and the people we buy our product from. So we care about ethics in every single aspect of how we run our company. And that makes people want to stick around. Yeah. So I feel like and, that and invest them too, so, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love it. That's great. Good answer. You've been giving me good answers this entire interview. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, wonderful. Okay. Well, we're going to move on to our lightning round here. I hope you are ready. Okay. My last right. guest had notes written down, so I don't see your notes. So I don't know if you're super ready. <laughs> we'll see. Is I'm totally like business? a not, not notes guy. So, uh, I'm, I'm not I'm, a notes person either. Ah, perfect. Perfect. Okay. What's your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? It's lame. I'm going to go with WeFunder, but that's because I'm like in the, in the space of that. It additional to that, if somebody's running an a business with like we manufacture our process in ha- our product in house and ship it in house and we use a program called Katana on Shopify and I adore it because it tells us when we need to order new stuff it helps us keep our supply chain really organized oh and it's Katana. it's cool. been a huge difference in predictability in our operations 
Awesome. That's great. We'll put that in the in the show notes. So, so for inventory planning purposes, basically. Oh, yeah. And it's a, we used another program and ended up having to scrap the whole thing and set it up again. Katana is pretty awesome. Sweet. I'm going to um, make sure that I've got that URL up for looking at it later. Okay. Katana, yeah, it's an app in Shopify. Shopify. Awesome. Uh, well, great answer. I mean, you got me typing. So that's, that's wonderful. Wondering what your favorite podcast and or audiobook is right now. Oh, man, that's such a good question. I feel I'm like really you had a couple in your head you wanted to say, and now you're going to try and... <laughs> okay. So I listen to parenting books all the time. Oh, like, you do? I listen okay. to parenting yeah, yeah. books and I listen to podcasts. So my favorite parenting book is right now is Raising a Secure Child. I think it's amazing, um, which has and nothing who, to do with business, but... Who, who is that by? Who wrote it. I don't know. I'm just going to write that one down too, because... It's really good though. <laughs> I have three insecure children, so... Yeah, there you go. So now you can raise secure children. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) And yeah, podcasts. I love podcasts. I haven't been listening to a lot lately. I'll have to boost. I like Fabian Gerhalter. He's with Finian. I can't remember. Oh, shoot. May I look it up really quick? You may. You may look it up. That's okay. I think it's hitting the mark with Fabian Gerhalter. And what, like, what's what's the general premise around it? I like your parenting one. Thank you. He's basically of this belief that branding and brand clarity is actually what makes a business growable or not. Mm. And so he likes to interview people who have had like, who have unique brands. He interviewed the guy that did liquid death. And that was an interesting interview. What was liquid death? Liquid death is a, is water in a can and they're selling it in bars and they're, they were selling out of it on Amazon to teenage boys who were drinking it instead of like rockstar soda. And at bars it's being sold instead of beer, but it's like ridiculously expensive canned water with really heavy metal branding and the branding is what sells the product because it's, yeah. it's literally just water but people are buying cases and cases of it <laughs> and um their branding is is pretty extreme oh that's great uh yeah. one more question for you if you could sit down with anybody for an hour have some coffee tea wine beer who would it be i really want to sit down with jen rubio from away who is that i don't i don't know jen jen rubio well jen rubio is the creator of the company away they do luggage okay and her her whole process blows my mind her and sarah blakely are huge i don't know they're people i look up to tremendously sarah blakely did spanx yes yes yeah so, yeah, yeah. I, yes. I know sarah blakely i'd never heard of jen jen rubio yeah, yeah jen rubio cool okay nice yeah good answer you didn't say elon musk so no I don't actually want to sit down with Elon Musk. I admire him. He's really smart, but he's not very nice. (laughs) You could just listen to uh, Joe Rogan and yeah, sense of what it would be like. (laughs) Yeah. Just get on Clubhouse, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, Erica, so nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you. This was wonderful. I think people are going to really enjoy this. Where can people find out more about you and more about your brand? Uh, Distilledbathandbody.com or pitlicker.com. Both point to us and you can find out more than you probably want to know about me and my brand there. Awesome. Uh, Connect with you on LinkedIn. Is that another Yeah. Erica Foyt, F-E-U-C-H-T. LinkedIn's a great place. I'm on Clubhouse. I have no idea what I'm doing. So if you want to follow a total newbie uh, or, you know, lead me, we can go there too. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't dived in yet into the clubhouse world. I'm starting to get my 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 eggs in a row, but yeah, nothing nothing yet. So I'm I'm totally with you. It's a little intense. Yeah. Well, thank you. This has been awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is great. People are gonna love this one. Thank you. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So 
if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.